Hi, Nathan here with a quick editor's note. Paul has been gracious enough to offer one of our viewers or listeners a free copy of the Street Wolves game and volume one of the Street Wolves archetypes PDF. If you want to enter, just uh, listen for Paul's favorite Star Wars movie and email him at tablecatgames at gmail.com and you'll be entered into a random drawing. Thanks for watching. Hello and welcome to the Advanced Age Roleplay Gamers Podcast. I'm Nathan, I'm one of your hosts tonight for a special edition of Between Two GMs. I've got a uh, a different uh, interviewer with me, slightly different. Uh, we're, we're gonna call him Malcolm tonight. Is that your real name, Malcolm? That is what we'll use for this broadcast. That sounds very good, but you may recognize Malcolm's dulcet tones from, from uh, our Sex, Drugs and Saving Throws actual play. Uh, I recognize him from just being my friend for the past billion years. Um, <laughs> though he's gotten a lot older and and he's gotten a lot of gray, a lot more grayer. And yeah, yeah. I've been talking about those those dyes that like, you know, <laughs> take the gray out of your beard. But he's not listening to me. But anyway, so say hello, Malcolm. Hello, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here on uh, tonight's broadcast for the uh, two GMs for ARP. Woo! All right. <laughs> So, wow, that was clumsy. Sorry. That's fine. We're going to keep that in because I, I can make fun of you later. But so we've got Paul with us. Paul is the uh, founder, creator of Table Cat Games. Hello, nice to meet you guys. Uh, thanks for for being on here, Paul. Uh, yes, thank if, you so much. If you guys aren't aware, I think you've hit the silver on uh, downloads from Drive Through RPG for Street Wolves. Yeah, silver on drive through, and then with my other sales combined, I'm up to 200 some. So doing pretty good so far. But yeah, just on drive through, we just hit silver this last week. And then I'm getting close to a thousand downloads of the jumpstart overall. Oh. So I'll probably be plugging that so we can hit that thousand soon too. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure I'll put links for the jumpstart and for your your itch and your drive-through uh, links for Street Wolves. But if uh, for those of you who aren't aware of of Street Wolves, it is a uh, uh, a game built for Savage the Savage Worlds. Um, was it called the uh, is it Explorers Edition, Adventure Edition, Adventures Edition, Edition. Adventure Edition? Yeah. They don't make that easy. I, you know, I was like, why don't they just second, third, fourth? Those, that's easy. I like, uh, when I first better? got into it, I, I had to figure it out too. It's suede is the what it's called, yeah, you know, yeah. generally, and that's the latest version that you want. Yeah. I, I've been following you on, on Twitter for a while, and we, we've chatted back and forth, and you seem like a halfway decent guy. So I thought I'd, I, I'd have you on, and, and uh, I – was kind of drawn to the whole street bulls vibe because that's kind of the, it seems to be representing the, the era that I grew up. That was like, it was, was pretty traumatizing and awful for me, but also very, very interesting. Uh, so it, it's, it's got a lot of, a lot of draw for me. And, and I think maybe some other folks who, who uh, listen to our show or watch our show, uh, it might bring in some good, um, uh, what's the word? Vibes. Nostalgia. Oh, nostalgia. nostalgia. Vibes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why don't you just let's start off with you've got a lot of stuff going on right now. We were talking a little bit about that before. Why don't we just start off with Street Wolves and give us the, the rundown on, on, on what that setting is and, and, and uh, all of that. 
So Street Wolves is a neo neo noir action adventure um, synthwave inspired <laughs> uh, setting for setting for Savage Worlds. So basically, it breaks down. Uh, I like to say that it's rad but moody. So <laughs> it takes place in eighty seven. Uh, it's slightly altered nineteen eighty seven from the the real one, but it's still pretty grounded in reality. There's secrets and evil lurking under the surface it's very synthwave influenced meaning the like not just the the art that i don't know if anybody's familiar with synthwave who's who's listening right now but uh look it up it's awesome but the art's (laughs) usually like a person standing next to their car at night and there's all this neon and there's like color saturations and that sort of stuff and there's a certain kind of aesthetic to it and then there's also this feeling of that the world is clean and shiny and tech offers a hope for a better world but there's these secrets that lurk under the surface with strangers and mysteries and discoveries and stuff i like to think of it so some people think of they see street wolves and they think that it's cyberpunk but it's not it's almost a proto cyberpunk so technology hasn't gone crazy yet you know, we're not living in that dystopia just yet, but it could be just over the horizon, right? Mm, like okay. we're in the past and things look good, but really they aren't under the surface. So when you look at like the shows from that era, like the Miami Vice and, and stuff like that, there's a lot of uh, the fashion and, and looking cool, but there's a lot of griminess for, you know, you've got the, like in those shows, there's a lot of like drugs and prostitution and stuff like that. Yeah, some of the stuff that was just like was really taboo then is 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 maybe more mainstream I, now. It's, oh, mainstream I would or? say, but I think one of the things one thing it's about about that time is that we were still very good propaganda wise, as far as just the media and so forth, is being able to sort of like cover up what was really happening in certain situations, as far as our pop culture was concerned. I mean, I'll be honest, Paul, that was my that was my impression when when looking at Street Wolves and viewing it, a lot of it, to me comes through a lens of our of the 80s sort of pop culture is how we want the world to be. We still had to recognize even in our pop culture, that it was going to be this sort of grimy. Yes, you know, not everyone lived like heart to heart or, you know, was, you know, <laughs> or or had the glitz and glamour. I mean, there was no no police department in the, in the world that I knew of at that time ever had the budget that in Miami Vice would to be able to buy those cars for their officers to be working undercover without the use of being funneling money and so forth. And the thing is, the great thing about, you know, and Street Wolves, of course, is also taps that whole entire feeling. Of, well, it was tapped in by a lot of shows back then. It was like, these are a special team that's going to do this kind of thing and do this for you by who. And I love the way you have that sort of set up. And it's kind of like, it sort of is, it does tick a lot of the little nostalgia boxes for me as far as the general side. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that was one reason like this was heavily influenced by Miami, by Miami Vice. And I don't want to talk about Miami Vice the whole time, but (laughs) I grew up while it was on and I remember my dad watching it and but I didn't really get into it until a few years ago because I kind of wrote it off as that pop culture joke. Oh, then the pastel colors, blah, blah, blah. But then when you watch it, there are a lot of these dark themes where 
the heroes don't really win all the time and mm. there's these terrible things that happen to them i'm gonna give a spoiler for a what 40 years old shona i don't even know how old this is i want to think about it so uh, yeah. check out if you don't want to know the end yeah. of the series but the cops quit at the end because they realize they're not making a difference right and that was quite a difference from other things i've watched you know where that glorifies you know the the police doing their job and all this kind of stuff where it was like they don't quit they always win at the end right and that's one reason why i like miami vice is it just had this really dark theme and it had a, like a really nihilistic ending that was one of its distinct departures from a lot of media that had been coming out before then as far yeah. as how we were presented with well police shows and how we were considered with you know the vigilante hero shows they were always you know it's like basically they would get the bad guy in the end there would be some there would be some crime that was punished but in truth as far as what we're seeing in our real world nothing was ever changing it seems you know it was even getting worse or the problem was being ignored or we were covering it up by something else so you know the miami vice shows i remember my parents being very kind of like they weren't really keen on me watching that show mm. it was like two adults at the time and things were you know the things it was pretty were, adult yeah you know, so yeah, as a kid, I, you know, we didn't, you know, I didn't watch it. Our older brothers did. Oh, I watched it. I didn't watch it until later, you know, because it was like, there was a whole entire thing about not watching, you know, you know, we were all very aware. And the thing is, a lot of the actual tropes that were used in the show, or we call, I mean, I mean, we didn't call them tropes, but a lot of the situations were replicated in other shows, but never ever taken to that full degree. It was always, you, you sort of encounter the drug use, you encounter the bus, but you knew the good guys were going to win in the end. They weren't going to lose. And yeah. it was a very scary thing, I think, for a lot of networks, the idea of having a show where they didn't. Even now, but back, I mean, particularly back then, you had a very different way that uh, networks and censorship was done. So there were things that could be seen as, you know, corrupting and could be, you know, have a backlash that would, you know, be slower, but, you know, definitely have its impact as far as, you know, overall society, how they viewed it, you know, depending on what side. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, I want to jump in and just to touch on something that, that I personally enjoy with, with, with gaming, tabletop gaming, and what you're kind of tapping into is, is just the fact that it's, like, okay for, you know, the, those characters in the show, the characters in the game, it's okay to not win every time because that's still, you can still move the story forward uh, with a defeat or, or if you want to call it a setback or whatever you want to call it, like you don't really have to win every time. Sometimes you, you kind of have to get, you know, beaten down a bit before you kind of rise to the, to the next challenge or, or you, you take a, another shot at it. So what are your thoughts on that type of situation using, you know, your, your setting as a way to kind of let the GMs create stories that where they're, you know, there's sometimes they're, they're, the, the heroes aren't going to save the day. Well, so I'm glad you bring this up because it it's actually relates directly to something I'm working on next, but we'll talk about Street Wolves for a second. So Street mm -hmm. Wolves itself has a mechanic called Drive, which is a reworked version of the sanity system from Savage World's Horror Companion, the old Horror Companion. Yeah. And I reworked it to kind of replicate that the job is hard that things you see things you might do will have 
uh, they'll take a, a a toll on you. And then the only way you can try to regain some of that drive is through like just being off the job, it, which there's like a okay. leave thing, which leave is very much inspired by interludes or those kinds of systems in games where there's like a mini game sort of where, okay, we're between adventures. We're going to roll some dice and figure out what happened and tell a story that way. In particular, Delta Green was a really big inspiration for that because there's okay. the home scenes and I just love those. And I was like, I want like some sort of interlude to work with this whole thing. So I guess that's kind of sidestepping your question because it's like, it really depends on what, how much drive people lose and how the players play act that, but it gives you an opportunity to role play that out, you know, like, oh, I just lost, you know, I'm at two drive and I've lost my friends and I've picked up a habit hindrance or something like that. And it's like, now you, you can go from there and just see if your street wolf can pull themselves up out of this or if they're just going to sink even lower. But the thing that I'm working on next is an adventure called Heart of Glass. Uh, I'd love to talk more about it, but specifically, yeah. it starts out with the heroes failing. So what you mm. do is you work with the players to create a kind of like a mini story. Like you don't have to play it through. You just kind of work out the backstory of what happened. And I even have a chart or a, a table, I should say, where you can see like what the bad thing that happened. If you know, if the players need help, like maybe an innocent person got hurt, maybe a street wolf died, you know, and you start out in this adventure, you're in a car together and the wolf pack has cut you off in this one. Uh, so you're on your own. And you've all had this horrible traumatic experience, so now you have to deal with it going forward. And you make a drive check. It's great. I've run through this uh, fully tested once. I'm going to go through another run through soon. But one of my players critically failed on his drive check, so he lost like a ton of drive. And so it was just like whatever happened really affected you. How does it affect you? And then like going forward, you try to to carry that through the adventure right as as you go along that they're they're carrying this trauma with them I, it sounds very dire and it is and it's awesome when you're talking about like the them starting off in a horrible situation that's that's my love language oh okay um, so, <laughs> yeah that, that is completely his love language i guess i'm kind of infamous for for starting off with my whatever system running where like everybody has already like lost everything and they have to get whatever it is they have to get it back or if i don't do it at the beginning i do it somewhere on in the campaign. yeah that's my thing is usually it's usually yeah. like everything's going great oh no it's not it's getting finally <laughs> worse and then suddenly you get a job but i do love that as, as a starting off and allowing different people you know different gms to handle how they would do it because you could easily change the situation from one game to another to another session like you you succeeded in beating the guy here and the next adventure you've lost something against this guy so you continue this sort of story on yeah i really do like that so i was when you're talking about the about the drive and there's a lot of mechanics as far as relationships in here as well and as far as how do they play impact as far as recovering while you're on leave and stuff like that do they all have a factor in that or i just want to make sure that i was understanding that because there you've you've introduced from the basic you know basic savage world some very specific you know mechanics for your particular for your game world is how I'm calling, mm -hmm. you know, genre that really keynote how that genre is sort of received, how it's processed, and how these sort of these these heroes are able to pull this together. And I just wanted to like, if you can go into that as well. 
So the the relationships was kind of this thing again, and I you know I don't want to be accused of ripping off Delta Green, but it was very much inspired by the fact that your heroes have connections right outside of the job, and you know you watch like again Miami Vice, and you know Crockett has his ex wife right and his son, mm. which they kind of write off a little bit, but he's got connections right, and then Tubbs has got problems with like his ex comes back and all this stuff, and it's like. I want that in my games. And so in order to encourage that, you know, not every player is going to do this, but you say, okay, well, give me at least X amount of relationships, you know, and you can have fun with it, right? Like, oh, this is my ex-girlfriend. This is my estranged brother, that sort of thing. And then a GM can bring those characters in the story if they want. So this really isn't a mechanical thing. It's more of, uh, RP or story thing, but then the mechanics of it are you can lose points with those people, and then you could try to role play like what that looks like, right? Like you know, if you reach one or zero points, that relationship's essentially broken now. And like mm. on your leave, that's where it ties in of well, you can choose all these activities. Well, I'm going to choose to try to make amends with my sister, right? And then, you know, you you make a role, you tell a little story, and you try to, you know, increase that value. So it's not like there's a penalty if you don't have that many relationships, but I I try to encourage my players, like, let's let's show how this works or what does this look like when, you know, your brother doesn't want to talk to you anymore? That sort of thing. Well, the relationship mechanics sort of replace how contacts and enemies in the savage world sort of function as well. Oh, not really. Uh, this is more like its own side its own mechanic thing. as far as... Okay. All right. Yeah, like, I mean, you essentially... So I've started some characters, like I say, like, you can start the game with a zero relationship and then that we can call your former boss that tried to kill you, right? That you were friends with. But there's not really like, <laughs> you know, there's not okay. really like anything replacing anything else. It's kind of like it exists to feed into your character's story. And okay. then also it does like things like the drive stuff do affect it, right? Like if you lose so much drive, then your relationships suffer by this. Making new relationships and uh, making amends is way harder to do when you have no drive. Like if you're like one of the examples of a low drive operative I have is, you know, you get into the mind of a serial killer and you're completely obsessed with finding out who that is. Well, you know, it's kind of hard to like hang out with your son or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. When you're just constantly thinking about the serial killer. So there, there's just a lot of things that kind of interplay between drive and relationships in that respect one thing we kind of skipped over is like what what a straight wolf character is and maybe we can go go into that by talking a bit about heart of glass okay so and, yeah and like what that adventure is about and well so street wolves and and i give several options for gms to set the game up however they want i did like that the mm-hmm. default is there's this organization called Wolfpack, and they know about the this these conspiracies and whatnot, and they want to put a stop to it. 
So they are working off the books to get agents to, you know, go on missions and do problem solving and help people that can't be helped because there's all this corruption and stuff and you can't trust the actual authorities to do the job. Yeah. And one of the influences for Street Wolves is G.I. Joe. Uh, I don't know if you can see I have G.I. Joe's up here too. Um, <laughs> that in the world of Street Wolves, there was essentially a group that was like G.I. Joe, but they kind of failed and were disbanded. And that Wolfpack is formed by the like some of the survivors of that. Like they realize what's former happening. Former operatives on that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the, like, the, the former group was Timberwolf, and that's how the whole wolf thing gets started. The Street Wolves are essentially kind of like secret agents off the books. They go places, but not secret agents or, or cops like you'd see on TV, more like a detective and a con artist and, you know, a thief and you have these characters like the, you know, the detective might have been a boxer that killed somebody in the ring is one of the examples. Right. I <laughs> it's it's kind of funny that you that you, you say that, but there were a lot of shows that were built around this sort of very similar sort of character types, not as a group usually. I mean, you know, like you'd have like, you know, Newcastle and McCormick and it, or Hardcastle and McCormick, and you'd have like basically a judge and one of his perps are teaming up to do, to solve crime with a small, anyway, it made no sense, but. It was the eighties. Well, yeah. You know? So a lot, a lot of the <laughs> archetypes are based on like the neo noir concepts of these and so, sort of anti heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because at first, when I first made it, all these like people were good. Like you know, it was like, oh, these are all really great people. And then I started coming up with professions. Like, why don't I have a thief in here? Why don't I have a Connors? And then that's when it really started humming along. I was like, this is more fun now. Mm. And that was the thing I was that was also sort of curious about it is the use of the the profession templates uh, for Savage Worlds. Normally, they just sort of just say, eh, you're going to come up with it, <laughs> which, yeah. you know, can be great for some people. Um, but I think it's very helpful <laughs> when they do have templates. And I did really like the professions you came up with and how <laughs> they worked out. Yeah, so when you're making a character, you're making your street wolf who works for Wolfpack, you get to pick a profession. And it's not a class. Yeah. It it's basically it gives you some extra bonuses to do that job that you want to do, but it you're not locked into it in any way. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you get that basic package of, you know, three extra skills and then I think an edge. I say I think because it's been a while since I read my own book. Um, but you get that extra stuff and it, it also there's skill specializations. If you use those, I know people hate skill specializations, so they're totally optional. Don't yell at me. <laughs> um, but you would get skill specializations too for that job. And then from there, just make whatever character you want. So, you know, if you want to make a demolitionist who's good at ballet or whatever, go for it, right? There's nothing stopping you. You know, I, I found that that's a really good way to do it. I know there's other alternative ways to handle it in Savage Worlds, but uh, I felt like this was the easiest and cleanest way to do it because, you know, honestly, I don't really like coming up with new mechanics. I'd prefer to use stuff that exists. So whatever I make, I try to make very lightweight because I don't want to get 
too complicated and make Savage Worlds not fun. That is one thing I can say about Savage Worlds um, as far as a baseline genre. It's baseline package that it is a very sort of pro player. I mean, by pro player, I mean flow the PC character winning sort of forth, you know, kind of thing. You know, they're they're wild cards. They fight the minions and so forth. And yeah. each each genre of it does alter that mix or that balance. Do you think your game particularly moves in one direction or the other? It keeps it about the same as far as you know. It is sort of pro PC as far as you know. They're overall sort of like they have the slighter edge over the over the over the bad guys or is it you know something like their horror or their deadlands where you're kind of hoping you can pull through i'll say that it is pretty heroic level you know even though the the heroes can find themselves in some pretty tough scrapes it does favor them a bit more it's not uh, you know unless you're a gm and you want to turn on certain settings rule like damage or whatever but just out of the box street wolves is pretty heroic you can go pretty wild essentially with it if we step back for a minute and talk about her glass i wanted to kind of put the brakes a little bit on the super over the top heroic stuff Mm -hmm. with this adventure because you start out you don't have wolf pack support in this because you screwed up the last mission so bad and it's like they've gone dark you might technically be kicked out of wolf pack you're not sure at this point you get this mission and you go to this small town and you're essentially a fish out of water it's this town full of secrets and mysteries and murder and, and mayhem type of thing but generally the party is three to five players and without any kind of backup in a situation where they don't know who to trust it it really made at least test run the first test run it really made the players not go hog wild and start shooting machine guns and stuff. Fantastic. Because, you know, they really had to figure out like what was going on in this place. And they knew that there was some sort of conspiracy. I, you know, I keep saying conspiracy. I'm not a conspiracy nut or anything like that. But it was, there's powerful people that are doing bad things, but you don't know quite who is involved kind of a situation. So you can't just go and do that, you know, and you know, know to trust. Yeah. Some of them are authorities. So, you know, I don't really want to spoil too much, but that early in the adventure, the players get pulled over by a cop and it's could potentially be bad. So it's just like, they know right away that it's like, okay, let's try to be really careful here. That's hard to do sometimes because because uh, like you know, murder hobos <laughs> want to murder hobo, so it's it's anything you can do to kind of like l- at least make them a little tricky. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say, hey, you know, you know, if you want to do that kind of thing in this adventure, that's totally fine. <laughs> but you know that following this adventure, yeah, like you're you're probably going to be like hunted by Wolfpack at that yeah, point yeah, because yeah. you are you know off the rails, you yeah, know. Yeah. And not rails is like railroading the game because this yeah, is yeah. a sandbox adventure kind of. It's more like, hmm. you know, you're you're going to be a burned agent at that point, right? Hmm. Consequences are are important in my games, so yeah. I you know I said Delta Green before. I love Delta Green. It's one of my favorite RPGs to play because the consequences are so huge in that. Hmm. You know, because you don't have to worry just about the uh, Cthulhu stuff or whatever. 
you have to worry about the FBI realizing that you're not actually a real FBI agent either, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. Suddenly you're on the news. And, you know, I actually had stuff like that happen. Um, I have another adventure I was working on that it is like a future one where there's this cult that's in Street Wolves. And I don't have it as like cult in robes. It's like a real cult that's dangerous. Mm. I'm not going to name any cults so you don't get sued. <laughs> oh, we but can there's... just go with Jim Jones. I mean, they're pretty <laughs> no, much done. Well, well like, uh, yeah, this this one is pretty savvy with the media and mm-hmm. keeping tabs on people and recording them and bothering. And so I ended up with players that did bad things. And then they turned on the news one day and then there was like an advertisement from the cult you know, under a front organization saying, do you, have you seen these people? They <laughs> yeah. did these bad things. Call this number, right? Like yeah. crime stoppers. <laughs> exactly. It was something like that where it was like crime stoppers org or something, you know? Yeah. And, okay. Oh, man. So we've talked about some of the, your TTRPG and like uh, the uh, TV influences for this. And, and I want to get onto s- some of your other stuff uh, pretty soon, but uh are there other media influences that you use for, for this uh, system? It, yeah, it was a lot of the, I watched as much, you know, 80s stuff that was neo-noir as possible, you know? Mm. Um, so, you know, and I'm blanking on a couple of the movies and stuff, but it was really leaning into that Miami vice kind of darkness in LA reigns. Oh, um, Oh, alphabet city. That's, That's what it, it was. Yes. Yep. Alphabet city. Yeah. So, yeah. Al- Alphabet City. So what, what was Alphabet City about? Well, I don't think I remember that one. <laughs> it's about a drug dealer, essentially, that his boss is unhappy with him and decides to eliminate him. But it's that's the plot, basically. He goes from place to place and he encounters people and it's real gritty. And this, every shot is very rain-soaked nights, mm, lights. Yeah. It's totally a vibe movie. It's got a really ridiculous ending. I don't want to really ruin it. Don't ruin it. <laughs> I just don't get to <laughs> see it. it. You know, the, I just saw the, the preview, and I was like, this yeah, is Yeah, the guy sequence. from um, Police Academy that does all the voices is in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's Michael a minor, Winslow or something? Yeah, he's in yeah. it. It's great. Um, But... It's not a perfect movie, but it was just when I saw it, I, I just thought these are the vibes of this game. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. not a lot of people have watched the movie, so I can't go, oh, it's just like Alphabet City because they, they aren't going to know. So Malcolm, you had something you want to? Yeah, my question, uh, my, my first question is kind of like you've watched a type of genre within the 80s that you've watched for inspiration. And the question that I was like, was there someone you ever consulted with it who lived from that time period or who that's just, I'm just, it's just a general question. Like what are your sources that are not beyond media? I'm reading this. I read, I read it and I'm like, well, you know, it is an alternate. That's something I should point out. It is an alternate timeline, eighties timeline, which for one, I love the idea that it's alternate and I love the alterations because it's a lot of fun as far as I'm thinking. but you know, it still happens in, during the cold war. We still are dealing with the USSR we're still dealing with a lot of the situations that we dealt with that shaped our lives as far as how we viewed the world and how mm-hmm. it is. Now, I'm going to say, despite the grittiness that is in, you know, Street Wolves, I do find it once again, like many of the shows I watched, a pleasant departure from what I, from the lives 
of our from our real truly day lives. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we really don't want to get the existential dread of knowing that you know, at any point in time, someone could mess up and we're going to be just nuked out of stone, you know. And even here in America, we you know we felt that way. Nothing compared to people living in Europe, you know. But it was just like there's a lot of things that that, that aren't carried over, which I'm kind of glad. And you even have a whole entire uh, you you also talk about you know if you wish to bring these sort of elements into the game, it's your choice. But it wasn't a part of the mechanics that we built in it necessarily. And that believe me, that's I think perfectly fine to have a sort of disclaimer saying you know if you want to bring this craziness in there, all this ugliness, you're free to do that. But in truth, as far as what the fun you want to have with the scenario with the game, I didn't think it's necessary. But I just wanted to know who you brought in if you talked to someone about it. Nobody. No. Um, okay. Mostly, it's just. <laughs> and did you think it was necessary? That's the thing. No, I mean, I. Mean, I... Well, I, you know, at the time I, I was alive and I was cognizant of things going on, but also like I've always been obsessed with the time period I grew up on. So like I would read a lot mm-hmm. of history and like learn a lot of, about things going on and that sort of thing. And it was just one of those things when I started making it, um, I've said this before too with Street Wolves is try to come at it from an angle like the makers of star Wars rogue one came, And I know this is, we're talking about real life, but the way the makers of rogue one came to making their star Wars is they wanted to make the star Wars that they remembered and not the actual star Wars. So mm, what I okay. was trying to do was make the eighties that people remember, but not the actual eighties. And so, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can dig into with social things that happened and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, at least for the the general setting, I was mostly kind of keeping it high level Mm -hmm. and putting in a lot of the choices I made with, say, enemy factions and stuff was more like, what would be an interesting enemy and the Cold War was kind of winding down by the late 80s and early you know, 90s was going away. Yeah. And But it was like, you know what, we're going to keep the Soviets strong. And then that way, and then also, I think I talk about it a little bit in the book, and I'm probably going to go into this more in the future, is like, the U.S. isn't so great either. You do talk I, about that. Yeah, yeah I do in, mention in the, in the book, that they back... <laughs> They they back certain people who are anti-Soviet, right? And so, you know, that kind of comes from like history that you know I've just learned, but also you know, honestly, Miami Vice that they that show goes into there's people they can't touch because they're protected by the CIA mm. or some other government agency, and so that's the kind of thing I wanted to bring in the game. I, I'm yeah, I don't know is that if that's insensitive or anything, I, you know. No, it just like I think keeping it. I mean, the the decision I was just you know decision to keep it at a higher level. I thought was probably best for I, I think a better the way overall. You put appeal. it was, was beautiful. Like like you want to you want to make the game that was the eighties that you that people remember. Yeah, really, that should be like on the inside cover <laughs> of the book because that's well. That's, and also <laughs> though, the problem with that is because I'm doing the eighties that people may remember that's serious and has issues. If I say, oh, this game's set in the 80s, I also do get, oh, it's just like the 18 or Knight Rider. And it's like, no, it's not. I mean, it might have some of those elements, but mm. there's a whole, there was a lot of serious art and culture and things that came out of that time period. 
that are a terrible fashion. <laughs> yeah. You know, good fashion. No, uh, but there's, there's a lot of things that aren't inherently silly, right. Yeah, yeah. That we can also dig into. So yeah, I, I, I never really thought about that going in was that there would be that issue of like, Oh, I want it to be like transformers or whatever. And it's like, I mean, it has some goofy elements, obviously, but you know, I I didn't want to dig into the the really over the top stuff. You yeah. know, I uh, I'll be honest, I did run a game in Savage Worlds, which was all about the '80s over the top stuff called the Trick no. well, Challengers, which I was like, I love that, but I like this, I love this too. Um, my next question was like, I'm sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say that that's the thing too is like in order to set my setting apart, I felt like this is the direction I would go rather than going. Cause you know, um, there's it, freedom squadron is a cool game, but that's like GI Joe where it's way, way, way big. Right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I, I need to make it not that right. I, yeah. I try to find something that wasn't published yet. Oh, people haven't taken this. Well, there is yet. a GI Joe game now i think right now but there, there wasn't at the oh, time because okay, cause uh, okay. Y- yeah the secret history of street wolves is it actually began years ago as a gi joe game that w- was Ooh. the serial numbers filed off and then it died and then i revived it as a different game <laughs> so. so so how long have you actually been working on 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 street wolves well i worked i had this other game that i basically wrote a book for years ago and then it just died mm-hmm. and then the pandemic happened and that's when i got way back to it so it took a couple of years to actually get the book out yeah. but that's you've been talking about it for a while because I, I guess i've been kind of re-engaged with twitter the past couple of years and and i like i'm sorry talk, for that yeah yeah i know like i i, I stepped away i've I had the account forever but I, I really just used it to like and then you doom scroll there. like once every two weeks, but now I doom scroll every day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, so, but you're one of the, the, I think one of the earlier folks I, I, I caught on to and we started talking to the battle Lords people and those are super cool guys, by the way. They're awesome. Yeah. They're, they're one of the biggest supporters that I've run into that is a published. Yeah. Setting some of them by battle Lords and also by Titan effect. Cause that's another great okay. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't buy battle and, and watch your battle lords uh, actual play. It's it's awesome. Back to you. <laughs> We're talking about you now. You've done a lot with Savage Worlds, and recently you've been uh, talking a lot about this. Um, I don't know. Should I, can I call it a hack? As Star Wars, but in Savage Worlds. Well, what, yeah. what you, what's going on there? Oh, the spirit of the spirit of rebellion. Yeah. So, I this was a crazy thing. So I wanted to do my own star Wars in Savage worlds, just play it for my friends. Mm-hmm. And then, so I got this book, the star Wars companion by, and I'm going to probably butcher his last name, Christopher Levy or Lebby. I'm, I'm sorry, Christopher. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, but there's a star Wars companion that exists and it's great. Uh, however, there's some things I needed to change for my own table. And I figured, well, if I'm changing it for my own table, why don't I make a release out of it? And I became obsessed with it. And so it's basically an expansion for that book. So you, you know, so you start off with Savage Worlds, you get Star Wars Companion, and then you're going to get the Spirit of Rebellion. And they're all, mm. you know, well, the, the Star Wars ones are going to be free. I can't charge money. Please buy right, Disney right. Plus and, yeah. you know go to Disney world or whatever. 
<laughs> They're gonna send you uh, like the Pinkertons with with mouse ears. Out yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, mine's all free. It's fan made. It's for fans by fans, um, and it's basically focusing on the original Star Wars trilogy and or Mandalorian and Rebels, like that kind of like I call it the dark times to the early New Republic, kind mm-hmm. of slice of about thirty years, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it should really hit the nostalgia bone of most people probably listening to this because the design is based a lot (laughs) on return of the Jedi era trade dress. So it represents, it looks like a lot of the packaging in that time, like Mm. the posters, um, people have gotten a West end games vibe from it, but that's because we're drinking from the same well, essentially. Yeah. Because they were making their game based on like the last movie that came out and I make, um, but it's really fun and cool looking. It's some of the best design I've ever done. Um, you know, and I'm sticking the art in it that's I'm sticking to is mostly pre-production art, some screen grabs, art from toy packages and notebooks and cups. So um, an example would be I just took I digitally cut out art from that was on a um, action figure case. I'm slapping mm. it in there and then the the Atari game, the side cabinet, I found a really good JPEG of that. So I, I cut out the ships and I'm arranging them on the page. Um, so one of the most fun things about this project for me is because it's fan focused, I'm using all this like stuff that it was essentially used to promote the movies. Um, I kind of have an unlimited art budget in a way, right? You know, it's like, I'm not charging anything for it. Yep. I'm using trade dress that yep. existed. Uh, and so I'm able to go really, really, you know, wild oh, wow. with it. So um, if yeah. there's one thing I can say that about that, the same thing with Street Wolves, your eye for design and layout has been is, is a really strong motivator as far as getting someone into these games. I mean, when I look at Street Wolves, I am like immediately pulled into it and into its overall vibe and what it wants to do for me as far as what it's presented to me as far as a game and a genre. And I yeah. love that. I well, love thank looking you. at it. Our, our like, artists too. I so. love people. I love looking at it and people saying, you know, like, I know what this game is going to, you know, I, I know I want to be in this game. I'm just looking at it, you know, and there's a lot of companies that are only now, it seems, discovering how much work they need to do to truly transform you looking at their game and enjoying it and becoming a part of it. I mean, Free League is really getting a good job as far as that. But I mean, I look at your game and I'm like, this is the quality we should be getting. And you know, I need you to yeah, tell call them. these companies. Right? <laughs> like, you need to get this and do this guy and get him or I mean, because I really loved I really love Street Wolves. You know and, and and when I saw um just a little bit of the few the few parts of scene of the uh, Spirit of the Rebellion, I'm like, it look, I mean I just like this reminds me of the old Star Wars packaging games. And, so, and when you said that, I was like, that's exactly what it was. And yeah, Western games and you were pulling from the same well, so I get that same sort of good feeling about it. Yeah. And, and you know, dive in. you know, because I did look through the books to see if there was any layout that I wanted to rip off. You know, I mean, you're creatively rip off because yeah. that's what uh, graphic that's designers what we do. do. There wasn't like it was a lot of real old school stuff. There wasn't really stuff that I wanted to pull. There was a few ideas I got from um one of the books back here but overall it was like i was mostly the uh, spirit of those books was getting them 
I didn't even play Star Wars when I was a kid, but that was the only Star Wars stuff really coming out regularly. Well, I didn't have anybody to play with. That's a whole other <laughs> story. But I would get the books and I'd pour over them. Like I would look through them and they had those fake ads in them, you know, for yeah. planets and stuff. Love and that. it was just this experience on its own, separate from playing the game, that that's one thing that I like to do with my layout is like, I want you to have an experience looking at it. You know, you don't even have to, you know, play it. You know, it would be great if people played the games. But, you know, <laughs> I, I also want you to have fun looking at it and looking at all the cool art and all the stuff. And I'm glad you brought that up, too, because at some point, hopefully this year, I'm going to do a Street Wolves Kickstarter to get a print version. And I'd actually like to go back to the Street Wolves layout and update it from things I've learned recently oh, okay yeah. because i feel like i did a really good job but then there's things that you know any artist is like oh my old stuff yeah, I, could do this. I could just do this again it's like yeah. horrible and everybody else is like this is fantastic like no 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 yeah no no Wait. it's yeah <laughs> yeah like and, the stuff that malcolm did in, in college we're like oh like like drooling and, and dying over it and he, and he was like oh that was garbage oh. sucks. yeah yeah <laughs> so um yeah definitely because also i wanted to um right now i made Street Wolves is uh, eight by whatever the big size. And I want to, if I print it, I want to make it sit nice with all the other Savage Rolls books. Uh-huh. So I'm going to have oh, to shrink yeah, it shrink down. It. So I have yeah, to redo the layout they're anyway. Kinda, they're kind of small. They're little, oh. they're little, uh, they're little guys. I think they're, yeah, I can't remember what they're called. They're like magazine size or something yeah, like that. Like magazine size or something is what these are. So I, I, you know, that might not be popular with some people because they like the bigger book. But for me, it's like, I want, you know, I have that thing where it's like, I want them to look all nice together. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I think it's actually, I mean, for, I'll be honest, as far as like, just, just that regard, as far as like, yeah, you're right. The sizing, the Savage Worlds, it seems to work better when it's all the same size as the regular books. You just, for me, it just, aesthetically yeah. is, it seems like it's a part of that universe then. Part of yeah, that. Sort of I, I don't a lot, like the smaller stuff. It's just, it's just, uh. Yeah, bad eyes. I want huge things, but yeah. But Savage Roll, I want the right side. Like literally like, oh. all of these, all of these books are different genres, but they're all the yeah, same they all standard, got a nice, yeah. Same size as the, as the base book, you know. So. Street Wolves is going to seem fake if you if it's yeah. like this, 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 and then big. It's like they weren't even paying attention. Oh, what are yeah. they doing? Yeah. Oh, amateurs. But I will, <laughs> I, I, I will look really, I'm really excited about that, about the Kickstarter when you guys do that, because I, because I am like, if you, if I can get a physical book, I will be happy. I'm happy with the PDFs, but getting a physical book eventually would be great. If we go in that way, we go that path. I, I like to have a like this wall here of games that I'll, I might play before I'm dead. Your <laughs> uh, <laughs> lines are all right, but they, they look they look really nice up there. Um, uh, do you have like a plan of when you're gonna do? Oh, that? I have a plan. Oh, so, I mean, like, I mean, a schedule. <laughs> well, sort of. So everything I. I've done is to try to build to something else. So, you know, the jump start for Street Wolves was to get me to Street Wolves. And then now basically what I've done with Street Wolves is I've released it and then I've collected as much feedback about, you know, things that don't work or mistakes. I I love hearing about like errors and typos and that sort of thing. And so I've issued corrections. So by the time I get to the Kickstarter, then most like if a printed book comes out it's going to be way more correct than if i had just right, yeah. gone you know gone for it i've caught a lot of that stuff i feel like i've got most of it you know there's always probably something that's going to be out there that you know some I'll send you a list 
Yeah, <laughs> please do. <laughs> I, I'm totally fine. As long as you're nice about it. So, and that's one reason why I haven't, first of all, I'm not super into the quality on print on demand. I know people are, there's some people that are really upset about this. That's but, fine. I'm not. <laughs> I'm with you kind of. But what I want is I want to do the Kickstarter to get my ideal version of the book out. And then I might be able to turn on the print on demand because then it's like, okay, Streetwolves is out there. And then, you know, if if you live in a country that you can't get the book shipped to you or whatever, yeah. I'm going to turn on print on demand for you. So that's the plan. But anyway, so the plan right now is Spirit of Rebellion kind of screwed me up a little bit because now I'm obsessed with it. But the next thing I'm doing is uh, I set up a Kickstarter for a very small game called The Wicked Forever King Hungers. And it's a dark fantasy RPG that's based on lasers and feelings. And I expanded a little bit because I have okay. um, I have like a doom counter, essentially, that when you screw up, you you get closer to failure type of a thing. So it's like a stressful situation. And the the art's all that kind of old, old timey black and white kind of stuff mm. like you know, the medieval type of thing. Medieval black print stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, the, it's it ends up being about four pages right now, but it could have some more content depending on how well the Kickstarter do, does. The Kickstarter is really small. It's basically just initially to pay for a proofreader. And then after that, an artist who will make uh, a image of the Wicked Forever King himself and then also for my time to do more layout work. So, so you know, those are kind of like the tiers. And then there's going to be all, like little extras, like a letter from the king, or you could become a member of the royal court kind of stuff. But it, it's all digital, and it's all exists because I wanted to make this game, and I think it's fun, mm -hmm. but also to give me a experience in how to run a Kickstarter before yep. I do the big one. Mm -hmm. So. So once I get that out of the way, then, you know, I'll be able to fill, fulfill that pretty quickly because the game is mostly written and, and mm -hmm. done except for any additional stuff. And then, uh, you know, a few months down the road, you know, who knows? I, I don't know if I'm going to try to do Heart of Glass out first or the Street Wolves Kickstarter. Uh, one thing I hadn't mentioned about Heart of Glass that people might get excited for is there's actually an audio component to it. Hmm. where the street wolves are going to be picking up cassette tapes as clues and the clues I'm going to include actual audio uh files portions and they're going to be recorded by Megan Caves of Gone Rogue Entertainment who's hmm. d doing Harbingers and mm -hmm. you know former yeah. Wild Cards um member cool so I'm I'm very excited to work with her uh to do the the audio stuff you know, maybe maybe someday we'll release an actual cassette tape <laughs> that, that has the information on it. Who knows? I was like, and there's four of us that can play it. <laughs> I, right. I've looked into it. Uh, you can get tapes made, and it's not that expensive, so we'll see. But uh, so because of that extra production quality, I don't know if I could knock that out before. You know what I mean? It's just kind yeah, of fluid yeah, between yeah. that and the the Kickstarter. Yeah. So we'll see. What's gonna be on these tapes? Are these gonna be like are they like a, like a tapes of crimes happening that kind of thing or like well like, i don't want to spoil that. too yeah, much just, i'm just like literally you just asked him can you spoil <laughs> the entire product i would no, love I'm to just, hear what i'm just trying to think like you know 
as in like an audio guy who's like okay. uh, working Here. on sound design stuff, this is like relevant to my interests. It's like, so what if uh, I just make something up for you then? Like even. answering machine tapes. Make it up. Or... I want to hear what your answer is. <laughs> so there is like, they're going to be like, you know, possibly like recordings of, TV, of, you know, particular like, audio surveillance and then maybe some sort of phone call you picked up here or maybe even a sound bite of some particular famous person saying something or singing something you know you don't know or just track mm-hmm. or just basically it maybe and maybe one will be a crime scene situation that you hear the actual i love your crime. answer more and i'm going to change the entire adventure now <laughs> <laughs> and you got to figure out what order where they came from and everything else yeah yeah okay. well if you want to look up megan's um adventure bones on drive through rpg it's essentially that product but incorporated into my adventure like okay. it's adventure bones are mostly written to be Some a open. yeah more an open an open and, and added thing and it just like yeah and that's the way i love them it's like well i haven't been able to use them because i can never figure out how to get my my party to get to a point where they'd actually be able to listen. listen yes yeah. So is, so is it kind of like the legends that they use in Forbidden Lands? Is that kind of thing where you have like all these just like random legends that you can kind of? Oh, that her her thing says his. I think I think as far as for Heart of Glass, there will be components of the adventure that will be okay. carried right. over by audio. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I got you. Yeah, uh, I'm and interested it, now. No. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you know it. I could under I could see people missing them, and so they're not entirely. The whole adventure doesn't depend on you finding one tape or two mm. tapes or something like that. But so far, it, the players have been really good about finding them and going from one to the next. And they haven't, you know, it's not railroady or anything like that because it's like, you know, they can do all these other things and then come back to the clue that might lead them there. You know, it it's kind of like there's a branching web where you know certain nodes you hit right you can get them on those nodes to be like oh this is where the tape is you know yeah. this is what's on it so that sounds fun there's a lot of different ways you can do that i mean it's i guess it'd be a, a little bit tougher for like an online game but but there's ways there's ways around that I mean, yeah, you can possibly save it as a part of an audio file with a VT, yeah, you know, with a yeah. tabletop I, thing, where yeah. it's like, and what was that clue? And you, here we go. Like I'm playing tape number six found in the dumpster. And, and... I have a soundboard that goes through my microphone, so I'll yeah. play like machine gun noises and that sort of stuff. And I'm kind of like, <laughs> why don't you do that, Nathan? Because I have to customize <laughs> each uh, machine gun to the actual scene that's in. I don't use the same machine gun sound oh, twice. Boy. Yeah, he's that. Wow. Wow. And I love that. It's like, machine gun fires far away and then you're getting closer and you know the guy and the shooter is coming somewhere closer yeah yeah, and you're yeah. Still like, oh, yeah. he does that all that kind of crap close medium and far and like is it what kind of room is it is it inside is it outside we have the most overworked podcast was, for the, yeah that is uh, intense. for the ridiculous people we are playing yeah, this yeah. game <laughs> so adding adding these very interesting components as far as to heart of class i think will be a great thing and i think yeah, i really am looking fun. forward to it it's one thing i love when um, when you have in a game uh, or adventure or module, whatever provided, and that there are things beyond just the flat, the flat page. Yeah. And considering your design taste, I am just like, yay! I do want to get a mug. I do want a poster. I'm still going to be. I still want a map of a city or two. But that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I <laughs> but, like handouts. Like uh, going back to Delta Green, they have all these kinds of handouts, and then 
you know, mm. players will make up the most amazing looking handouts that look like official documentation and stuff. And there were people that recorded audio <laughs> stuff. Have you done that too? Yes, I did yeah, like the, the dossiers and the photos. You draw and stuff for my games because I, I have zero talent for that. But. You know, and did like well, you know letters and notes and stuff. But when I, I was mean, running, when I was running GI Joe, I had like dossiers and I would make a letter from Duke, you know, and it looked like it said top secret, blah blah blah, and then I like had like a signature on it and then like photos clipped to it and stuff. Yeah, I love that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. They're suddenly become engaged more with that. If you think about like the games we grew up with, like with D and D and Star Frontiers, like all the modules for those had like tons of handouts. Like like half the the module was was handouts. And one one thing I can say that I that I yeah that I really look forward to, and I hope that you know that that you would you know might consider is a bibliography of a videography of like just so people when they get that book they'll have an idea of like. These are some movies. These are some songs. These are you, some shows. Did you have that in there? I didn't know if you had that in there. No. Oh, I have I that you... in there. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I have some suggestions like that at the end of the book. So I have like, you know, what some synthwave songs to listen to, some synthwave albums, and then pop songs to listen to. Mm. And then um like you don't have to do any of this stuff. Like if you've watched Stranger Things, you don't have to know about the 80s <laughs> yeah. to enjoy Stranger Things. But there's that extra level of like, you know, if I'm a GM and I want to run this game, like what is Synthwave, right? So then, you know, I might want to explore it a little bit more. I have a thing about montages in Street Wolf. So it's just basically a real loose way to run a montage, which is basically like a round robin storytelling method where it's like you just go from person to person. Like, what are you doing in the montage? And you go back. And I have suggestions for songs to play during the (laughs) montage. It's like, if you're doing a shopping montage, here's, you know, six songs. If you're Beautiful. doing a uh, getting ready for battle, here's six songs. And I was a little nervous about actually including the names. You know, you know what I mean? You, you don't know like the copyrights and stuff. But I wasn't actually doing any lyrics or anything. I was saying, go out and listen to this song, right? So I, I think we're... I think we're okay yeah, with no, that, but yeah, I think you, you could use that uh, as like reference stuff because because like all of the the books we have, like all the like Dungeon Master's Guide and stuff like they always have. And like, every book, book has a huge. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll literally good. have a whole entire video filmology and music video, you know, and everything else. So yeah. I think it's fine yeah. as you're listing as sightings as examples of the genre or something. Yeah. Or to or sources as opposed to having it yeah, inside. You can actually I make guess. like a little QR code with the Spotify playlist of of the songs. Oh, you should. Do. Well, I have. <laughs> there is yeah. a Street Wolves um, soundtrack. If you if you look Spotify if you playlist? look on Spotify, yeah, there is a Street Wolves official playlist, and it's got. So basically, the way I organize it is, I have the like a a kickoff song essentially, like you play it to everyone gets ready to play, and then I have. A bunch of songs to play that while your characters are doing a mission, so they generally don't have lyrics because I, I get distracted by lyrics and songs. Yeah. And then at the end, there's like all kinds of pop songs from almost every genre. You know, maybe there's only three or four from each genre from that time, but kind of representing those those musical cues and stuff that you might mm. want to hook into, like. You know, like I said, the, the the montage of shopping or something there, you know, you might want um, girls just want to have fun. So you just <laughs> scroll down there, search, and there's girls just want to have fun, right? So that's awesome. 
I'll, yeah. I'll link that too in the in the comments. So okay, <laughs> look for that. It needs more likes. There's only a few on it right now. So right. well, we we have our mission. Go go like some go okay. like some Spotify. You know what's actually funny is I have about twelve Star Wars role playing game Spotify playlists out there, and one of them has over two hundred likes, which is kind of cool. But it's it's neat. like space battles, and I was just using it to we were playing X Wing online the other day and. uh we were listening to that so you know there there's all That's kinds awesome. of cool stuff i'm making it's just you know <laughs> some of it's free <laughs> yeah let's run them down um so street wolves is uh, out on, on drive through and itch uh you're you're gonna have uh and the jump starts out there too the jump starts out there for too. free yes yeah free stuff is always good you know dip, dip your toes in before you pull the trigger First Kickstarter you're doing the uh, what's that called again? Yeah, Wicked Forever King Hungers, which is I real, also I mean, have an archetype. That's really cool. I mean, I'm sorry, it is sorry. Yeah, it, it's cool. It was like it was hard for me, my old brain, to remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was partially inspired by a story I heard about, and now I don't even remember most of the story, but it was something about an old pope that drank the blood of young people or something, and I was like. No, that's horrific and sure. then i was like well maybe <laughs> wow but i was like what if there was this eternal king that he would wake up and get super hungry and there's actually a table of like what he hungers for that's kind of funny but that's good i have archetypes volume one for street wolves which is just pre-gen characters if you want them uh there's one for each profession at all uh ranks so all levels and then it does come with the vtt tokens that you can oh, yes. use mm-hmm. for them. Uh, all the art is done except for the dog that I have in there because uh, there's a dog partner that uh, Daryl the dog. All the art except for Daryl is done by my buddy Mike Todd who has a stake in that. So please buy it so Todd can buy himself some coffee or something. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's what's out now is Archetypes, Street Wolves, yeah. and then the jumpstart and then wicked forever king is going to come soon uh star wars is i'm hoping coming out soon just so i can get it off my plate mm. so maybe in the next few months and then i'm testing heart as heart of glass again and that's probably going to take a month to test just because it's going to be the last was the last run through was four four three hour sessions about so mm-hmm. it, it's a pretty meaty adventure so but, it, you know, if we can only meet once a week, yeah. it's going to take at least a month to test it one more yeah. time. And I'd like to you know, maybe have somebody else test it, too. And then potentially the Kickstarter crossing my fingers maybe this year. So that'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, whenever you're whenever you're ready, I know it's it's one of those things where you have to kind of build it up and get people ready to to pull the trigger on day one. So. So, yeah, yeah. Just uh, keep an eye on for that, uh, and uh, they can sign up for uh, a mailing list, right? On on your uh... yeah. So if you go to tablecatgames.com, that's basically the hub for everything right now. Um, mm-hmm. So you could get to itch or drive through from there. Um, but on that main page, if you scroll down, there's a mailing list thing. You sign up for the mailing list, you get a discount on Street Wolves on itch and on the table get cat games website you can get access to an archetype that's exclusive to people that join the mailing list because mm. it's 
Listed as $500 on my site. If anybody wants to buy a $500 <laughs> archetype, please do. But this is, that's a technical hurdle, right? That yeah. like, I don't have a way to do it any other way. So I just yeah. marked it up to $500, but you get a coupon that's a hundred percent off. <laughs> right. And that character is Bubbles, who appears in a Straight Wolves AP played by Cassie Mothwin. Oh, okay. uh, the AP was done by Crossroads Games, Carrie Smith and everything. Yep. So it's kind yep. of like yep. a, they're great. Emerging yeah. of of a couple people. Um, so cool there's people. so you get a free thing and then a discount if you join the million list and barely any emails. I haven't sent one out in months. Mm. I've you know like when Street Wolves came out, I sent maybe four and I felt bad about it. And then you know like so I don't like sending emails. I only I reserve it for when something is pretty big and then I try to combine things like oh here's the six biggest things that are happening. Mm. You know so. It, yeah, sign I've, up I've and don't get for a while. Yeah, so, yeah you don't spam at all. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, I, I, you you probably unfollowed after I released the game because a few <laughs> people did that. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, it's, it's weird. Like the whole, uh, like you try not to take things personally, but sometimes it's, it's weird. Like, because we'll get like, um, every time we do an interview, we get like a, a boost in like follows and stuff like that. So we'll get like five followers and then one, one person will, will, will unfollow. It's like, they just watched all the stuff they wanted and then they unfollow. It's like, come on. It's like, it doesn't cost you anything to subscribe to somebody on YouTube. Why would you? Especially YouTube. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. The, the email thing was like, it's weird because it's like, at first it was, there were no uh, like unsubscribes because everyone was like, getting ready or in anticipation then once it's out you go back to i'm gonna send an email and one or two people are gonna unsubscribe because you're reminding them that i don't know whatever they don't like the thing or or they they already got the thing they they just didn't want to hear it so you're basically sending them a little reminder hey why don't you unsubscribe for me (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) so you know, every time I hit that button, I'm like, "Ooh, let's see how many I lose this time." But you know, and then you can, uh, you can kind of dig into those things, and you'll see yeah. the person never opened an email or something, and you're like, "Yeah, who cares? and yeah, you, and you really like you don't like if they don't want your stuff, like you know, nobody owes us subscribers, so yeah. it's like if, if they they're if they've gotten what they've gotten out of it, you know, that's that's really a win." Yeah, and, totally. And yeah, you just take take the win and, and don't let it hurt your feelings. Even yeah. though that we, it still know, does, I, I still want. <laughs> as long more, as you get more pluses negatives. than negatives, yes, then it's, we do. Always, it's okay. yeah, always better to go in the positive. Always goes up. Always yeah. goes up. So if goes I up, send an email and like all a couple hundred people unsubscribe, I'm going to feel really bad. <laughs> right. yeah. I, there are very few times. Okay, there's like one that I can think of where I've ever decided like. I really should just unsubscribe from these people. I, like the a, only time I do it is, but that it's has like, to be a really bad project. <laughs> for me, it's like uh, like big brands and stuff, or like you'll sign up for yeah. something, they'll send you an email every day, and it's every like, what are day, you yeah. thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want this. Like, I like my lucky jeans, but I don't need coupons every day, <laughs> and I'm not gonna forget. Yeah, I need to actually yeah. wear them first. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Paul is so good to finally talk face to face yeah it's uh, been a, it's been a know, pleasure it's been like fantastic ban- yeah ban- banter on twitter is, is fine but this is like this is so much better uh well uh, let's do this every week then it only take you like weeks to edit all of our conversations yeah so it'd be great <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, so. yeah, yeah, this, this is fun, but definitely when you're ready for to 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 do a Kickstarter, maybe we'll do like a a little. Uh, we could do a, a, a short little snippet if you want to talk about any of those. You're welcome to come back anytime if if we haven't scared you off. Oh, that's great! <laughs> I like it. Uh, and if you cut this out, if you're not sure, going to sure. do it, if you want to give away a copy mm. of Street Wolves and the Archetypes document to one of your listeners, I'm you know I can give you a code for that too, or I'll give them a code if if you just have them message me if you have that mechanism okay. set up. Yeah, I, I think we could probably do. I could probably do like a little announcement to say, uh, listen to the end for. Paul's uh, favorite Star Wars movie, which is, uh, uh, so by the way, Paul, but what's before we cut off? <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> Sophie's choice. Which is your favorite Star Wars movie? Well, if it's one of, if it's a choice like that, uh, I would pick. So I'm going to give you a tiered answer, but the real answer is Return of the Jedi. Like you know, Spirit mm-hmm. of Rebellion is like essentially Return of the Jedi filled. But you know what? Uh, Empire and Rogue One are real neck and neck mm, with that. Okay. And it's not a movie. You didn't say show, but Andor is way up there with me now, too. So. Yeah, those are all good. Yeah. I, I, I see it over there. No, there's I see a Darth crappy Vader poster. Yeah, so that's, that's my, my wife worked at Blockbuster, and when it shut down, she grabbed those, one of those particle board Empire Strikes Back posters oh nice yeah um that i've carried all over the the country so i'm not even gonna pull out my beat up return of the jedi poster that i've got <laughs> i mean you could probably see my toy some of my we, toys oh yeah yeah i was like oh i love that set yeah um, yeah but the thing is yeah I, I i was curious what your favorite star wars movie was gonna be yeah i think it's you know it kind of goes back to you know i've had him kind of pass one another in different periods of my life where it's like oh i think i like this one more but it's always kind of gone back to return of the jedi basically because that's the one i saw in the theater that i remember mm-hmm. seeing in the theater okay. and you know that's all the merchandise and all the promo like that was all return of the jedi right so it's it that was the one that got imprinted in my brain my eyes are really watering right now. I don't want to start crying. I guess I'm crying about the the Jedi. That's okay. Those tears are fine. And we'll respect you. And, and you know, I'll original say this about... Original Ewok song or, or new Ewok song? I like the original. I say that about Ewoks is I had that period where I was too cool for Ewoks, but no longer. Ewoks are the best. So. I mean, they're little cannibals. What's not to like? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is true. Paul, again, th- thanks for coming on. Uh, Thank you for having talking me. talking to you. Uh, I look forward to seeing what you continue to keep creating and uh it's it's amazing that you're able to uh find time in in uh in this crazy world to to put something out to help other people have fun so uh, i admire that uh so yeah th- thanks again malcolm any any uh any final words before i uh, hit the trap door sure i just you know it's gonna be pretty much very similar i just want to say that you know um we we're great i mean i'm very happy that you were able to make this a wonderful yeah. game that should be hopefully enjoyed by a lot of people. But one thing I can say is that um, I'm very curious to try out the relationship component in some of my games with my guys and players who play Savage Worlds and see how they like it. Um, I'm also curious to see how that plays into Drive, how the montage, as well as how the leave time all sort of functions in a sort of, you know, 
action investigative game uh, for them. But um, also, like, I was very distinct looking at your product and saying, you know, Street Wolves feels and has this great sort of like setup that I really like to explore. And I'm, yeah, cool. you know, thankful that you were able to like give this to the world and have an amazing design eye for it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I hope that after playing it, you'll understand why uh, why us uh, Gen Xers are, are are so cynical and jaded oh. about everything. So. Yeah. yeah, there's that. Uh, I was, yeah, any, any final words uh, there, Paul? I'm not actually crying. I'm having some sort of allergic reaction right now, so just okay. so everyone knows. You, you but should, no, uh, I really appreciate. Uh, everyone who plays you know let me know if you have a good time at your table um you know just keep in touch check my stuff out maybe you like it maybe mm-hmm. you won't if you don't like it don't tell me thank you so. <laughs> thank you thanks everybody have a good night thanks have for a watching good night, everybody thank you so much for bye. this bye, bye. bye.